0: Coming up this week, the DeLorean might be coming back as an EV. Volkswagen's ID buzz gets delayed. We get a first look at Tesla's structural battery pack and more. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 49 of the EV Resource Podcast. I'm Zach Hurst, and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and answers to your questions about electric vehicles. Before we get started with the news this week, I want to thank our podcast partner, Titan Auto & Tire in Mosley, Virginia, for their support. Titan is one of the very few independent shops in Central Virginia that are qualified to work on EVs, and from hybrids to Hummers, they fix everything. For more information and to schedule an appointment for your vehicle, go to TitanAutoTire.com. That's TitanAutoTire.com. Starting us off this week, it looks like GMC could possibly offer almost 200 accessories for the Hummer EV. Personalizing vehicles and in this case pickup trucks has been a lucrative business in the United States and it's currently no secret to manufacturers who are now offering extensive personalization either from the factory or through dealer networks. And it looks like GMC and their upcoming Hummer EV will be no different. According to a post on the website HummerNation.com, unnamed sources familiar with the accessory strategy for the vehicle say there could be as many as 200 different accessories for the Hummer EV, and while they don't have specific information, they do mention a list of possibilities, of which include unique trim kits and an upgraded all-weather floor mats or thick carpeted mats, illuminated door sill plates for the interior, Uh, For the exterior, we can expect GM to offer decal packs, splash guards, custom-finished mirror caps, running boards, and potentially a whole lot more. They say they expect to have the complete accessories list well in advance of the Hummer EV's first edition launch in the fall of this year. And once they get their hands on that list, you can be absolutely assured that HummerNation.com will be the first to report on it. Next, I'll go straight into the headline story. DMC, the maker of the DeLorean, it seems, is considering bringing back the DeLorean as an EV. Now, the DeLorean, the iconic 80s vehicle known for its starring role in Back to the Future, has been out of production for nearly 40 years. But it seems that not even time can kill this car off for good. In 1995, Stephen Wynn bought the company's old inventory and trademark to relaunch the brand based in Texas. And at first the plan was to bring back the same vehicle with more modern technology in very low volumes however in order to be successful they needed to have new rules for low volume vehicle production and have the existing rules changed so for the past five years the company's really been pushing for the adoption of new rules for low volume vehicle production with NHTSA, the national highway traffic safety administration These new rules were finally recently adopted, but the delay was so long that it really complicated DMC's plans. The engine, the gas engine that they were planning on using, will not be compliant with emissions standards starting in 2022, and over the last five years, the automotive landscape has changed dramatically. So in a new blog post, the company is now hinting that going electric with the DeLorean may be the way to go. And they say, quote, with EVs becoming more mainstream, we've been considering switching to an all-electric as the future. It certainly makes for an easier path through emissions maze, which still looms large over any internal combustion engine. While an electric Cobra or Morgan may, may be a little extreme for their potential market, we've already seen that an EV DeLorean, as we displayed at the 2012 New York International Auto Show, is not such an out-there idea, end quote. The company hints at being in the process of looking to secure financing to bring an all-electric DeLorean, and it says stay tuned. Electrek this week obtained the first picture of Tesla's new structural battery pack with a honeycomb architecture that will power its future electric vehicles. And potentially, considering the rumored refresh of the Model S and Model X, it could be powering their soon-to-be current vehicles as well. At Tesla's Battery Day event last year, they unveiled their new 4680 battery cell, but also the new battery architecture that would be built around it to go into the vehicles. And at the time, Elon Musk had said that they were inspired by the aerospace innovation of building airplane wings as fuel tanks instead of building the fuel tanks inside the wings. Uh, They were Basically, airplane wing-shaped fuel tanks, which that revolutionized the aerospace industry. So Tesla has decided to build a battery pack that acts as a body component in the structure of the body, linking the front and rear underbody parts. Now, that's different from the way Tesla currently builds battery packs. Currently, they combine cells into modules, and then which when put those modules together, that's what forms the battery pack. And then that battery pack is installed into the vehicle platform. So the difference with this new concept is that Tesla will not be using modules at all, and instead builds the entire battery pack as the structural platform of the vehicle, with the battery cells helping to solidify the platform as one big unit. The new design not only reduces the number of parts, the total mass of the battery pack, and therefore enables Tesla to improve efficiency and ultimately the range of the vehicles, the image by Electric also shows that the battery pack without the new 4680 cells in them, it showcases the honeycomb design of the battery pack. And then to complete the battery pack, all Tesla would need to do is drop the 4860 cells Sorry, the 4680 cells into the empty spaces and then bond them to the pack. Tesla CEO Elon Musk con- commented on the contribution of the cells to the structure, saying, quote, Battery pack will be a bonded structure with cells providing shear transfer between steel upper and lower face sheets, eliminating most of the center body parts while providing better torsional rigidity and improved polar moment of inertia. This is a major breakthrough, end quote. Now, Some people have pointed out that while the benefits of this design are becoming obvious, it also complicates repairs in the case of a crash. However, Musk claims that Tesla designed absorption rails alongside of the battery pack that can be cut off and repaired and then new ones either uh, attached or welded on or however they would do that in order to preserve the actual battery pack itself. Personally, I'm very confident that Tesla has thought this through significantly in order to make such a drastic change. And as with anything, they're going to design the packs with safety in mind at the forefront before making any major change. But the amount of money and time and investment that they've already put into this certainly indicates they're confident enough to move forwards. Next, Volkswagen said this week that they will be delaying the launch of the ID Buzz in North America until 2023. Granted, they're not calling it a delay, but they are telling us that the timeline is going to be a little bit further out than most of us thought. The ID Buzz was one of the earliest electric vehicles that Volkswagen started talking about all the way back in 2012, but more recently in 2017 when they unveiled the concept. Looking like a modern update to the iconic microbus, I personally thought that this would be one of the first EVs that they'd bring back to the market here in North America. One of the advantages that Volkswagen has over Tesla, Rivian, Lucid, and, and all the other newcomers to the automotive world is that Volkswagen, they have a legacy to build from. And the fond memories of the microbus in particular hold very strong emotional power. So why wouldn't they want to get this out as soon as possible? Is it really going to take Volkswagen 6 years to build this car from 2017 when they first unveiled it to 2023? That doesn't make sense to me. So I think there's something going on underneath underneath it all that they aren't telling us. Uh that you know the ID3 obviously is is a huge seller in Europe. The ID4, I truly believe as bland as it looks visually, I do believe that's going to be a big seller, but neither of those cars have the emotional attachment that something like bringing back a modern version of the Microbus would have. And there is a lot of demand for the ID buzz. Nostalgia and a new appetite for Vans has likely helped keep the Microbus in the minds of many potential buyers, and that anticipation has not been lost on the CEO. He mentioned that he receives texts from dealers, both Volkswagen and non-Vol- non-Volkswagen dealerships, about the ID Buzz saying, quote, the reaction's been huge and we just got to get it here, end quote. So do it, Volkswagen. Get that vehicle here. I, for one, when I I remember when I first saw the concept for the ID Buzz, the updated microbus, and I was very drawn to it, even though I never had a, a a microbus, myself you know I didn't live back during the 70s and, and late 60s but there's just this feeling that you get when looking at that type of design that's just warm and fuzzy and for one that is one vehicle that I would actually consider buying if the specs were right so hurry up Volkswagen get it done General Motors has finally announced a save-the-date for the official unveiling of the new Bolt EV and Bolt EUV. In a rather unique marketing partnership, they've teamed up with Walt Disney World to reveal the pair of electric vehicles in what will undoubtedly be a show saturated with words like magic and imagination. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I I really have been rather harsh on GM recently, haven't I? Uh, but... Uh, In a press release this week on the 19th, Chevy shared a video that surely helps the building anticipation. There has been a lot of confusion surrounding GM's unimaginative naming schemes regarding these vehicles, and much like the Volt-Bolt name confusion, the Bolt-EV and EUV naming suggests that they perhaps haven't learned their lesson. So what's the difference? Well, maybe I can help clarify a little bit. The Bolt EV is considered a smaller crossover hatchback. Um, The Bolt EUV is its bigger sibling that's more of a traditional SUV size. And other than that, we don't know much. And Motor Trend actually has a wonderful rundown of all the known specifications about the Bolt EUV on their webpage. And if you're listening to the audio only, it is worth noting that there are no known specs for the Bolt EUV. And Motor Trend has Not Applicable or NA under every category. So maybe, maybe we won't have to wait too much longer using our imagination and we'll see all of the magic on the 14th. One thing I have mentioned before, even on last week's podcast, is that the Bolt EUV will come with Super Cruise optional. So that much we know. And on that note, there is a bit more news this week about Super Cruise as well. Well, not exactly. Let me correct myself because this bit of news about GM's side business for fully autonomous vehicles is called Cruise. I got myself confused there. Volt, Bolt, Bolt, EV, Bolt, EUV, Super Cruise, Cruise. Okay, got it. (laughs) Not confusing at all. Um, We found out in an article from Clean Technica this week that Microsoft – Of course, the computer software manufacturer, maker, Microsoft. Everybody knows Microsoft. Uh, They are cozying up to General Motors to become their cloud computing partner of choice as the Cruise self-driving technology progresses. In fact, Microsoft is kicking in $2 billion into the pot to support the work in autonomous driving that GM is doing. And the cash injection from Microsoft raises the market value of Cruise to around $30 billion. Transportation as a service is coming, and it will make a lot of money for somebody. The idea presumes that private vehicle ownership will slowly fade away and be replaced with apps that will summon a vehicle to your location whenever you need transportation to take you wherever you need to go, drop you off, and then drive on to the next person needing a ride. Kind of like an Uber or a Lyft without the actual driver. And a year ago, Cruise unveiled the vehicle that they have in mind called Origin. And that's a self-driving pod that reportedly will be built at a GM factory north of Detroit. Dan Amon, CEO of Cruise, told Press This Week... Quote, our mission to bring safer, better, and more affordable transportation to everyone isn't just a tech race, it's also a trust race. Microsoft, as the gold standard in the trustworthy democratization of technology, will be a force multiplier for us as we commercialize our fleet of self-driving all-electric shared vehicles. End quote. I've got a little visitor. If you're on YouTube, you can see Artemis. She's feisty this morning. More and more, there we go, more and more we see these partnerships blooming in order to bring advanced technology to the real world. I, for one, cannot wait until basic transportation needs are going to be handled by driverless vehicles. We do not need humans to be the ones controlling the commute. And the last story I have is a happy one. Gotta end the news segment on a happy note, right? Tampa Bay Newspapers has reported that the Largo, Florida Police Department has become the first agency in the Tampa Bay area to use electric motorcycles. The new bikes, which are manufactured by Zero Motorcycles, will cost a combined $41,000 and are a step towards reaching the city's goal of having 100% alternative fuel light duty fleet by 2030, the city's sustainability coordinator, Laura Thomas, told Tampa Bay Newspapers. The department was able to secure a $7,000 grant from Duke Energy to help in the purchase, which is expected to occur in late February. Starling said that the department has the largest motorcycle fleet in Pinellas County, but that the new electric bikes compare well with the Harley-Davidson's the officers use now. She said, quote, Zero has been around for several years. We went and test drove the bike. They loaned it to us for several days and we we were able to work through it. The only maintenance this has is really just a carbon fiber belt. That's it, end quote. The motorcycles feature a powertrain that is nearly silent and a fuel cost of a penny per mile. They can also reach a top speed of 102 miles an hour and travel 176 miles on a charge. And the motorcycles are just a small part of the department's sustainability efforts, Laura Thomas said. The department currently has 16 Ford Expedition fully hybrid electric vehicles and are ordering 26 more next year, mostly Ford Interceptors as a part of the city's standard vehicle replacement plan. She had added that the hybrids are typically more expensive than traditional fuel vehicles by $5,000 or so, but can save approximately $3,000 annually on fuel and maintenance costs. So over time, the cost of ownership is less, which, of course, if you guys are listening to this podcast being an EV podcast, you probably already know that EVs and hybrids will end up saving money. So personally, I want to thank both Laura Thomas and Major Ann Starling for the hard work that they are doing to make the transition to a sustainable future for the Tampa Bay area. And I hope that these efforts continue to be another shining example for the rest of the world to follow. Last week, I decided because I hadn't gotten an EV question from any of you to answer in a while that I would instead ask a question, and I got quite the response, so I think what I'm going to do going forward is make this an official change for this to be a two-way street. I'll ask a question to you guys every week, and if you do have a question of your own, a question about electric vehicles, how they work, whatever, I will still feel that the same way I would have previously. So henceforth, this part of the show is to be called Weekly Q&A. Your questions, your answers. Or something like that. So last week's question was, what is the furthest trip you've taken in your EV? And I have loved all of the responses that I've gotten. In fact, I've gotten more responses than I can handle. So I had to kind of pick and choose. Uh, If I didn't pick yours, well, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Maybe next time. Uh, But Clay McDonald responded, We took our 2019 Bolt EV on a 367-mile trip from Richmond to Columbia, South Carolina in August of 2019. Thanks to Electrify America's infrastructure, it was quite easy. We only needed to stop once in each direction, but opted for two short stops in Rocky Mount and Lumberton, North Carolina. Round trip was about 750 miles in one week and less than $40 in fast charging fees. Boris Carr said that he's taken his vehicle from Richmond down to Sandbridge Beach, Virginia Beach area, 251 miles round trip. Evan Quimby, about 500 miles from Hudson Valley, New York to Richmond when they moved down to this area, and he says it was pretty easy. Kathy Ford Thorne in a Chevy Bolt EV, actually a 2020 Chevy Bolt EV, so one of the newer ones with the the greater range, says that they went 1,500 miles from Louisiana over the Florida panhandle to find fast chargers and then north to the New York-Pennsylvania border. Wow, what a trip. Uh, And actually, they're only getting longer. Uh, Chris Maxwell, last weekend, went 2,254 miles in an Audi e-tron. And I forgot to ask if that was just over the course of the weekend or if that was a little bit longer, because that's a lot of driving. Uh, Diego Cardenas. And Diego, if I'm butchering your last name, my apologies. Diego, actually, this is a really cool story, took a Harley Livewire motorcycle and went from the southernmost point on the western coast of the United States in California all the way up to the northernmost point at the Canadian border. That is one hell of a trip, especially on an electric motorcycle. So thank you guys for responding and sending those questions or those answers in not questions um, it's that a lot of fun to actually kind of interact and hear your stories uh, instead of being kind of in my own little EV resource bubble here so that's great I'm going to continue that and this week the question is going to be what was the main factor that influenced you to buy an electric vehicle what what kind of started it? So you can respond by sending an email to hello at ev resourcecom And then I also found that just by putting a a post on social media on Facebook that I got a lot of responses that way too. So either way you guys want to respond, I'd love to hear your answers to that. So that is your show for this week. I do appreciate you guys for watching and listening. Um, Please share this with your friends. and, And if you can, if you would be so willing, write a review on especially Apple Podcasts, because that really helps bump up visibility so that other people can find the EV Resource Podcast more easily. Uh, our Patreon executive producer is Tom Wiggins, and James Hart supports us at the producer level. If you guys want to support the EV Resource podcast, you can also check us out on Patreon. It's simply patreon.com slash EV Resource. You can sign up uh, at either $1, 5 or $10 a month. Everybody gets a copy of the EV Resource magazine that comes out monthly in digital form. And then, of course, at the producer and executive producer levels, there are uh, added benefits as well. If you do have feedback for the show, I invite you to send that in via email to hello at ev-resource.com. Leave a comment on the YouTube video. And don't forget, whether it's the YouTube or uh, with your podcast, to subscribe. That way you'll get all of the future shows automatically. You don't have to go hunting around every week for the latest episode. And if you do want to play any of the previous shows, you can find them on our webpage under the podcast section. And it's uh, I paid to have them hosted indefinitely. So on major podcast platforms, you should be able to find all of them there as well. So thank you so much for being with me. Catch you next week.